You are telling me two minutes. That's not possible. I move on. All right. Praise God. So we started studying the book of Hebrews from the month of April after the month of Easter. Uh -uh. Okay. You both celebrate yourselves. After service, you will continue. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you because our hearts and minds are open to hear and receive the word of God with faith, meekness, and gladness in the name of the Lord Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. So, for the month of April, after Easter Sunday, we started a new series titled Greater and Better. And we'll be studying the book of Hebrews. We've been seeing how Jesus is greater and Jesus is better. We saw from Hebrews chapter 1 how that Jesus Christ is better than the angels and greater than the angels. We saw how that also Jesus Christ in chapter 2 is greater than Moses. We saw that Moses is a servant, Jesus is a son. Then we went to chapter 3 of Hebrews where we saw that Jesus Christ is better than Joshua. Joshua could not take the children of Israel to the real rest, even though they went to the promised land, it was not the true rest. But Jesus Christ is the one that has taken us into the true rest. And the Bible says that those that have entered God's rest have ceased from their own works. Can you say amen? And then we enter chapter 4 into chapter 5, where we began to see that Jesus Christ has a better priesthood. His, his priesthood is better than that of Aaron. Aaron's priesthood, in fact, we're going to see nice things today. We will see that Aaron's priesthood was so well, the, in fact, the Bible calls it useless. The Bible calls it useless. It says it was useless and of no effect. The Bible says because the men that were doing these things would die one day. But Jesus lives forever. So his own priesthood is better and greater. And in Jesus' lineage, there was nothing about priesthood at all. So the Bible says that if there is a change in the priesthood, there must also be a change in the law. So when Jesus came, he installed a new way of life. Can you say Amen. Can you say amen? So let's begin. So we stopped at chapter 6, right? We've, we've gone past this already. So we'll continue from... Let's start from... Let's start from verse 7. From verse 7. Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 7. Okay, please next time put the chapter, the book, the chapter, and the verse. Is that okay? I'm telling you next time. Now, I've said it openly. Next week, Sunday, we should say chapter. I don't care what you are saying. I'm just telling you next time. I want to say chapter. For instance, now, do you know what chapter this is? Do you know what it is? I don't know what it is now. I'm just seeing as if they are produced for me poem. Hallelujah. Anyway, so you have to open your own Bible to see where they are reading. So Hebrews chapter 6, verse 7. It says, For the earth we drink it in the rain. Wow. You put King James for me. How many of you like King James version? I'm talking to you, I'm talking to young people. Hey, put King James for me. For the earth we drink it in the rain that cometh off upon it. How many of you have written off before since you went to school? OFT. You wrote it in any exam, English exam. So why are you reading these type of things? When you want to write drink, do write drink it. <laughs> better. Better now. Well, let's read now. <laughs> when you're writing exam, you write drink it. They'll just mark you. They'll just keep turn around and give you minus one. Shakespearean English. We have left that level. Praise God. 
It is for the earth which drinks in the rain that often come upon it and bears herbs, useful for those by whom it is cultivated, receives blessings from God. Notice what he's saying. He's saying that anytime you sow seed in the ground, God will bless it and it will grow. Can you say amen? Next verse. But if it bears stones and birds, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. Next. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Say, I have better things. Yes, things that accomplish salvation, though we speak in this manner. So, these better things are about your salvation now. And I told you, salvation is a full package. Hallelujah. It says, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have sown towards his name. Listen, as long as you are laboring in the house of God, whether it is through labor of love or whether it is work that you are doing in the house of God, God does not forget. Bible says God is not unjust. God is not like on the unjust judge who will forget. There are men who will forget your what you have done, but God does not forget. Can you say amen? He says then God is the one. Bible says God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have sown towards His name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Hallelujah. He says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. So he's telling you that when you start your labor of love and when you start your work in the house of God, do it till the end. Praise God. Not that you say, God, I've served God too much. It's time for, to go for retirement. Say, I retire. In the gospel, we don't retire. We only translate to, a, to our home. Hallelujah. So whether I'm 80, I'll be preaching the gospel. I used to say, I've, I've reached the age of retirement now. Now it's time to go and be resting. No, a thousand times no. That's not scriptural. The Bible talks about Moses, that when he was 120 years old, that his eyes were not dim, neither his body abated. That's what the Bible says about Moses. 120 years old. He did not need glasses. His eyes were not dim. That means he was still seen. He's not looking and saying, not like Isaac, that was not seen again. So, Esau and Jacob. Jacob was able to smart, smart his father. Hallelujah. He says that you did not become sluggish. Just your neighbor, don't become sluggish in the things of God. When he tell you, come and pray, you are dragging your leg. Don't become sluggish. Say, I refuse to be sluggish. Yes. He says, but in, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. He's telling you who to follow. When you're looking for men and women to follow, follow men that have that are through faith and patience have obtained the promise of God. Look into their lives. This one, that's why you see you cannot be listening to a man that is not filled with the Spirit to mentor you. That's a problem. That's a problem. In, imitate those who through faith and patience have obtained the promise. He says, for when God made the promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Think about it. God swearing. If God, you know, some people some say, I swear to God, right? Why? Because when you want to swear, you have to swear to somebody greater than you. But now think about it. God wants to swear. Who will he swear to? So he has to swear to himself. And look at the swearing. Surely, saying, surely blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will. Hold on. Look, at, I want to show you something very nice. Why didn't he just say, I will bless you and multiply you. Why did they have to say surely in blessing I will bless you 
in multiplying, I'll multiply it. I'll tell you why. In the Hebrew, every time a word is mentioned twice, it's telling you full assurance. That means you can go and sleep on it. That means I'm not saying something that tomorrow I'll withdraw it. Mm -mm. I can take it to the bank, deposit it there, and I know it's there. Not like the bank that can crash tomorrow. No, this bank that does not crash. I hear what I'm telling you. So when God says, surely in blessing, I will bless you. Say, I'm blessed. Say, I am blessed, blessed. Say it again. Say, I'm blessed, blessed. And it says, in multiplying, I will multiply. Say, I'm multiplied, multiplied. Say, I have multiplied, multiplied. It's double. When it's double, it means that, mm -mm, same time. That means you sh this one, it will never be reversed. I'm blessed, blessed, and multiplied, multiplied. Can you say amen? But here's the interesting thing. God had to swear about this. Why did he have to swear? If God promised you something, you can sleep on it. If God says, I'll bless you, you can sleep on it. But why did God have to swear? Let's continue. Let's continue. So after, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Next. Next. Now, listen, I follow this now. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Hold on. Now, God didn't just promise you by swearing. He also made an oath, a covenant with himself. Remember, if people are doing a business, right? When they want to put everything in black and white, what do they do? They sign a contract. And they state all the terms and conditions in the contract. So that if you default, you know what's going to happen. If you don't default, you know what's going to happen. So the oath is the settlement of all disputes. So that tomorrow, if there's a dispute, they go back to the contract, read the terms and conditions in the contract, and then they follow suit. Are you following? So a contract is the end of all disputes. But a covenant is stronger than a contract. Because a contract, the best that will happen is you either pay back or what again? Or you go to jail or something like that. But covenant is different. In covenant, the default of not keeping your covenant is debt. That's why debt is stronger than contract. I'm sorry, that's why a covenant is stronger than contract. And a covenant involves blood. A covenant must involve blood. I explain. This is the reason why the Abrahamic covenant is unconditional covenant. It is different from the Mosaic covenant that is conditional. Why? When God wanted to cut a covenant with Abraham, God told Abraham to bring all the animals because he, had, he brought a turtle dove, he brought a bear, he brought everything, and God said, I want to cut covenant with you, Abraham. You know what God did? God was very smart. God knew that if he cut covenant with Abraham, Abraham will not keep his part of the deal because he's a human being. He will fail. You know what God did? Pastor, that God put Abraham to a deep sleep. So imagine somebody came to cut covenant with God and God said, start to sleep now. Start sleeping. The man passed out and started sleeping. You know what God did? Bible said that God now slaughtered the animals and cut the covenant with himself. By the time Abraham woke up, covenant was already done. And that's the reason why the Abrahamic covenant is an unconditional covenant. Because God cut it with himself. 
The same with the covenant of Jesus. When Jesus, we're about to call covenant of his father. Remember, Jesus is God. The father is also God. So God called covenant with God. And we are the benefactors of the covenant. Can you say amen? So we are not in covenant with God. We are benefactors of the covenant. Let me explain. Um, blessing, come. Come. Francisca, come. Henry, Yasmani, come. Come here. <laughs> Mahato, come here. Okay, now um, Henry stand here. Blessing, stand here. Francisca, stand behind them. Stand behind. Okay, now look at this very carefully so you understand. Now imagine this is the husband and this is the wife. Are you following this? Now, there's what is called the marriage covenant. Are you following? So the covenant is caught between the husband and the wife. Are you following what I'm telling you? So the covenant is caught between who? Talk to me, between who? The husband and the wife, right? Good. So now, they gave birth to Francisca. Are you following? Now Francisca is not in covenant with them. She is the result of the covenant. Are you following? So when this covenant disappears, this one has no business with it because she's the benefactor of the covenant. This is God. This is also God. When Jesus died on the cross with his own blood, he cut the covenant with himself. And the father accepted the, 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 the payment of sin with his own blood. So God cut the covenant with his son Jesus. Are you following what I'm telling you? That's why today we have also the, and now, after we are born again, we are born into the family of God. We are benefactors of the covenant that God called it himself. That's the reason why nothing we do disrupt the covenant. Because the covenant is not dependent on our behavior. It is not dependent on our action. It is dependent on the two people that cut the covenant. So, if the covenant is going to stop, one of them must default. And God will not default. Jesus will never default. That's the reason why the covenant is forever. It's unconditional. It's everlasting. It's forever. Can you say amen? That's why he says, surely in blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. Can you say amen, somebody? Go ahead, sit down. Thank you very much. Do you get it? Now, go back. Where were we? It says, does God determine to show more abundantly to you the heirs of promise V? <laughs> it's interesting. Which one is you and V? That's him. Um, Atonations, right? In the verse. Okay, <laughs> nice. The immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. Let me tell you something. How many of you, somebody has promised something before and they did not do it? Raise your hand, let me see. So, all of you that have promised you, no all of them have performed. No, if then be then don't lie in the house of God. If somebody, if if listen, I'll say it again. How many of you, all the promises that somebody told you, whether it's your father, mother, friend, sister, younger brother, they fulfilled it. Raise your hand, let me see. Nobody. That's the reason why God didn't stop at promise. Because God knows that if He say, I promise you, you will still be doubting. Why? Because of human beings, you have lived for many years. So you will not really be so confident that maybe what God is saying is not true. So God said, you know what? I will not just stop at swearing. I will also cut an oath. I will do a covenant. Because in covenant, if I don't do my part, it's death. The Bible says that. So it's called the immutability, the unchangeability of God's counsel. So God tomorrow cannot say, tomorrow I want to curse you. Mm -hmm. It cannot happen. I say it cannot happen. Why? Because it's unchangeable. 
That's why Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. God's not going to change because you changed. God's not going to change because you changed your behavior. God's not going to change. God is constant. Can you say amen? God's not going to change because you stop serving him. A thousand times. No. God's not going to change. He will never, never change. Have you heard a song that says unchangeable, unchangeable God? It's true. God does not change. Next verse. Verse 18. Let's move fast. Let's move fast. That by two immutable things. What are the immutable things? Promise. When God promises you something, God does not change his mind about it. So God's promise is stronger than that of a man. God's promise is enough. But because of human beings, God didn't stop at promise. So God's promise is immutable. God's oath is also immutable. So the Bible says that by two immutable things. What are the immutable things? God's what? God's what? And God's what? Good. So by two immutable things, which is impossible. Tell somebody impossible. For God to lie. So why is God doing this? So that we might have strong consolation. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. God wants to give you strong consolation to console you to the full. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enter the presence behind the veil. Oh, glory to God. Next. Next verse 20. Where the, where the forerunner has entered for us, Jesus Christ, having become high priest forever, say forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Next. 21. For this, Melchizedek, now we're in Hebrews 7 now. You remember, your, your Bible was not written in chapters and verses. Are you following what I'm telling you? It was written like the way I'm reading it now. But the reason why it is cut into chapters and verses is for easy reference purposes. So if I say Hebrews 7 2, you know where to go and look for. But imagine everything was written in one chapter. With that verse, with that verse, I'll start, I'll start telling you, go to line 313, then go to paragraph, paragraph, <laughs> paragraph 2, then subsection word 5. So it'll be so confusing. That's the reason why they broke it in chapters and verses. Are you following? That's the reason why you read your Bible, you must read it in context. If you remove the text out of context, what you have left is con. And anybody can con you. Have you heard of con artists? Uh -huh. That's why somebody can carry one verse and deceive you. But if you read it in context, it's a line. It's lying. That's why I'm reading the Bible to you in context. Verse 7 now, verse 1. For this, Melchizedek, ah, go back. We have not read verse 1. For this, Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. So Melchizedek, I told you, was a man, well, who's to see it. To whom also Abraham gave a, a tent, what we call tithe, part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, then also the king of Salem, meaning king of peace. So this Melchizedek was called the king of righteousness and the king of peace. Salem, actually the same Hebrew word shalom, which means peace. Next, verse 3. So um, in the Greek, they say Salem. Salem. Actually, the Greek actually is Irene. Irene is actually um, the Greek word for peace. But Salem is the English writing of shalom. Now, this Melchizedek was without father, without mother, without genealogy. Who is this man, Melchizedek? Having neither beginning of this nor end of life, I like 
but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. So this Melchizedek does not, the Bible doesn't tell us about his father, his mother, doesn't tell us anything about um, his genealogy. He doesn't tell us about when he was born and when he died. The man just showed up to Abraham just like that and never showed up again to anybody. <laughs> and Bible says that Abraham gave tithe to the man, Melchizedek. Now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tithe of the spoils. Next. Verse 5. And indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi who receive the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithe from the people according to the law. That is from their brethren. Though they have come from the loins of Abraham. He's telling you that all the priests in from the Levites were all the great grandchildren of Abraham. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now remember priesthood. Okay. Let me put it this way. Jacob had 12 sons. Now one of his sons was Levi. Are you following? Levi became a nation on his own. And God gave priesthood to the Levites. So the Levites were the ones who did not go to work. They didn't go to office. They didn't go to labor. They stayed in the house of God and they served in the house of God. So how were they eating? They were eating through the tithes. So when the other 11 tribes go to work and whatever it is, they bring the 10% of whatever they earn and they give it to the tabernacle of Moses. That's what they used to eat. Because the Bible says that they cannot own land. They can't own properties. They can't own any of these. So the only way they can survive was through the tithes. So that's, how, so that's why they are, they, are, they are priests. So priesthood was only given to the Levites. But Jesus was not a Levite. Jesus' lineage came from Judah. So priesthood was never part of Judah. So how come did Jesus become priest? Very confusing. Very, very confusing. Because only the Levites could be priests. And Jesus was not a Levite. This is the reason why the Pharisees were confused. So when Jesus said, I'm the high priest. High priest how? You are not Aaron's, you are not Aaron's grand. I mean, they check the guy's genealogy. He does not come from the Levite. He comes from Judah. Have we heard they say Jesus Christ is the lion of the tribe of Judah? You heard that before? So Judah, Judah is from Judah. And concerning Judah, there's nothing about priests. We'll see it. Having a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is from their brethren, though they have come from the lands of Abraham. Next, verse 6. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promise. So also Melchizedek was not from the Levi. His genealogy did not come from there also. He says, now beyond, verse 7, now beyond all contradictions, the lesser is blessed by the better or by the greater. So if somebody wants to bless somebody, right, the one who is greater will bless the lesser. Are you following what I'm saying? The lesser cannot bless the greater. The greater blesses the lesser. Are you following what I'm saying? Verse 8. So who was the lesser? The lesser was the Levite. The greater was Melchizedek. Are you following? Are you following what I'm saying? Um, here, now listen, listen very nicely now. It says here, mortal men. Who is he calling mortal men? The Levites. It says, mortal men receive tithes. It says, but there he receives them, of whom it is a witness that it is not. I told you before that your tithe is when you give tithe, men receive them. It says, but Jesus receives them. Are you following? Of whom it is a witness that he is alive. So when you give your tithe, you are testifying that Jesus Christ is alive and not dead. Like mortal men. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. It says, even Levi, who received tithe, paid tithe through Abraham, so to speak. Let me explain. Because the Levites were the great-grandchildren of Abraham. So when Abraham gave tithe, 
Even his great-grandchildren gave tithe through him. So that's the reason why it's important to give now. Why? When you are giving today, you are also securing the future of your generation. The Bible says that even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes through Abraham. They never saw Abraham. They never met him. He was, I mean, I mean, Abraham died more than 400 years, 500 years before they were born. This was generations. But Abraham's tithes affected them as well. Hallelujah. Next verse, verse 10. It says, For he was still in the loins of the father when Melchizedek met him. So, for instance, when you meet God today, your great-grandchildren are inside your loins now. Confident, you know what I'm telling you. Your children are inside your loins. They're right there. So whatever you're doing now affects them tomorrow. Are you following what I'm telling you? So if you want them to enjoy prosperity, you start doing today. Are you seeing that? So that when they step, so, you know, I've heard some people say that my family background, I have so many battles to fight. Hmm? I've heard some people say that before. Say because the place I'm coming from, the type of city is there. So you have to have strong hold, strong man. Hmm? But there are some people, the family they came from, they've already scattered out the stronghold. So when they enter, they just enter into peace. And then their life is just going nice. And they're wondering, how is it going after this? Why? Others have paid the price. Are <laughs> you hearing what I'm saying? So you can pay the price for your generation. Even if you enter the strong man's stronghold in your own time, break it now. So I start from this day. And so that the ones in your loins will enjoy the favor of God. Can you say amen? It says, therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law. What further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the, the order of Aaron? I explain. What he's trying to tell you is that the Levitical priesthood has a problem. Because why are we going to need a new priesthood if the old one was okay? Why do you need a new phone when your phone is working fine? Are you following what I'm saying? Except you are. Except you are a phone enthusiast, just like having phones. But why do you need a new phone when you just bought a new phone yesterday that is working fine? Why? It's only if the phone is useless or the phone is not useful or the phone has a problem. Then you want to get a new phone. That is what wise people do. Are you following? Uh-huh. So, if we are going to need a new priesthood, then it means that the old one has a problem. Now, what is the Bible saying? God is saying, okay, so even if we need a priesthood, why didn't it come from the order of Aaron? Why does it have to come from Melchizedek? Next verse, verse 12. For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. Remember, the Ten Commandments came out of the priesthood of the Levites. So what God is saying is this. If we are going to change the priesthood, then the law also must change. That means we cannot follow the law of Moses, we cannot follow the commandment of Moses anymore. Why? Because priesthood has changed. Tell somebody, priesthood has changed. For instance, if you have a company before that has rules and regulations, right? And you start a new company. Rules have changed now. Maybe the company working before, you resume by seven. If you come um, ten minutes after seven, you are late. But this new company you enter, they resume by 10 a.m. So if you come by 7.30, you are too early. And in that place, 10 a.m. is resurrection time. But in the old place, 7 a.m. is what is resurrection time, right? In the same way, once there's a change in the priesthood, there must also be a change in the law. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? You cannot carry old wine and put inside new wine. It will spoil. 
the taste will be fermented. I mean, the taste will not be sweet again. Imagine you carry spoiled coke and you pour it inside new coke. Ah! What type of life is that? How many of you have tried it before? No, people are very nice. Next verse, verse 13. For he of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe for from which no man has officiated at the altar. It's telling you that from Jesus' lineage, there's never been a priest. No priest has ever come from Judah. Next verse. 15. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. Next. 15. And it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest. Next. Who has come not according to the law of a fleshy commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. Can you say amen, somebody? Can you say amen, somebody? Go back to verse 16. Go back to verse 16. Let's read together. I want to go. Verse 16. Read. I want to go. Uh huh. Jesus did not come according to, but the Bible calls it fleshly commandment. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not serve any graven image. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet. Thou, it says they are fleshly commandments. Jesus did not come according to the law of a fleshly commandment. The Bible says he came according to the power of an endless life. The commandment cannot give life. But Jesus gives an endless life. Can you say amen? In Jesus Christ, I have an endless life. Saying Jesus, I have an endless life. Endless life. That's what we have in Christ. Verse 17. Next verse. For he testifies, you are a priest forever. According to the order of Melchizedek. Why? 18. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment. Because... Listen, listen, let me tell you why God had to change the law of Moses. I'm showing you why now. Why did he change it? Read it, want to go. Read, want to go. Verse 18. Want to go, read. Uh-huh. God, now listen, God is the one that found the problem with the law he gave Moses. Number one problem, it was weak. Number two, unprofitable. That means it was useless. Why? The law can tell you how to be perfect, but it cannot make you perfect. The law can tell you how to be righteous, but it cannot make you righteous. The law was given to expose your sin only, not to redeem you out of sin, but to expose you. For instance, think about it. The reason why you give a law is to expose sin. For instance, if I say that in this church now, you are not allowed to do this and do that. Once you do it, you have exposed your sin. That's why they give a law in the house, in the home. So, Bible says that the law was weak and useless. Why? The law is perfect, but cannot make you perfect. The law is holy, but cannot make you holy. The law is great, but cannot make you great. The law is wonderful, but cannot make you wonderful. So it's weak and useless. That's why God had to change the law. Can you say amen? I said, can you say amen? <laughs> I'm showing you something. 19, 19, 19, 19. Let's continue. For the law was... Hey, look at it. Read it. Want to go? Read there on the screen. Want to go read? How many things? How many things? How many things talk to me? If I tell you now that I'm, I'm giving you 100,000, the way you will shout now, even if you want to do what's happening outside, now I say read now, you can only read. 
Let's read the game. One to go. Read 19. Uh huh. That's why I told you Jesus is better. Tell somebody Jesus is better. We have testimony. I have a better hope. I have a better hope. The Lord makes nothing perfect, but Jesus makes all things perfect. Hallelujah. Next verse 20. Verse 20. And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath. Next. For they that become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who has said, The Lord has sworn he will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Jesus Christ is the only one whose priesthood came with an oath. The rest didn't have an oath. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a what? Of a what? Of a what? Of a what? Jesus has brought a better covenant. Hallelujah. Next verse. Also, there are many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. Next. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Hallelujah. Jesus' priesthood will never change. It will never, never, never change. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Next. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separated from sin and has become higher than the heavens. Jesus Christ is higher than the heavens. Who does not need daily? Listen very carefully. Who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices? Firstly, for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. The, the priesthood in the Old Testament, he has to offer his own sin first and then for the others. You would think that the priest was a holy man. No. The man still has some sin inside him. He had to present his sin sacrifice and then do for the people as well. He says that for this one, he did once for, for all when he offered up himself. Jesus' sacrifice was one time. Tell somebody one time. Have you had one time fee? When you do this in one time, it's done. That's how Jesus is done. The priest, they had to do their own how many times? How often? Daily. Every day there was work to do. Every day people are sinning, commit, committing sin, trespassing. What again? Doing all manners of things. So there's work every day. And the high priest himself is offering his own sin every day and also for the people. But this man, Jesus, he did it once when he died on the cross and he offered himself once for all and will never do it again. Can you say amen? Next verse, 28. For the law appoints as high priest men who had weakness, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever. Next. We'll stop here. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Praise God. So where do we stop today? Chapter 7. We are moving. We are making progress. Somebody say amen. Tell somebody Jesus is better. I've showed you today that Jesus is a better high priest. He has brought a better covenant. He has brought a better covenant. And this covenant is only of blessing and multiplying. I showed you. So that's the reason why in your life, everything that God has put in your hands must multiply. Everything God has put in your hands must be blessed. Can you say amen? Say, I'll, say that the blessing of God 
is at work in me. Lift up your right hand and say it. Say the blessing of God is at work in me. Say I have the multiplying effect. Say I have the multiplying effect. Say I'm a multiplier. Say whatsoever God has put in my hands will not die but will multiply in the name of Jesus. Rise to your feet and thank God this morning. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Bless him for his word. Thank him for what you received this morning. Thank him because Jesus Christ has become to you a better covenant. Thank him because he has become to you a better man, a better covenant. Jesus Christ has become to me a better covenant. He has brought a better covenant. A covenant of blessing. A covenant of multiplication. Is at work in me in the name of Jesus. Everything I do is blessed. Everything I do prospers. By the power of God. He has brought for me the power of an endless life. I have an endless life in the name of Jesus. The anointing to give life to everything is at work in me. In Jesus' mighty name. Can you say amen? Lift up your hands and we pray. Father, in the name of